Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and this is going to be a really awesome episode. Today's guest has over 15 years of experience in retail, sales, operations, and general management. She's got a passion for community outreach and volunteerism. She specializes in change leadership and training development. She's currently the change management manager at a major CPG company. Please welcome to the show, Adrian Kelly. Hello, Adrian. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy that you're here, and I want to start off. We, I, I've noticed that there's a, a couple of people from Texas, and you're from Texas, and I believe we actually live in the same town. You're from McKinney, Texas, right? Yes, sir. That's we fantastic. might live down the street from each other. I don't we know. We might live down the street <laughs> from each other, so that's fantastic. So it's, uh, you know, there are 300 something million people in America, and we've reached out to a lot. And uh, here you and I are, uh, you know, we're from opposite sides of the town, and uh, here we are on the same show. So that's awesome. So thank you awesome. very much for joining today. Thank you. What do you see being the the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? Um, you know, as I'm thinking about this question, um, I think that the assumption that being deskless is easier because you have technology at your fingertips or you can access this app from, you know, wherever, or you can do this in your car, you can do this on your computer. Um, but there is... I feel like there's a, a misstep in folks actually wanting to do it um, and being afraid of that change from what they've been used to to what it's going to. And, you know, I think about, um, you know, I use this example of my mom. Sorry, mom, gotta put you on blast. But she had a flip phone until 2017. And, you know, smartphones have been out for 10, 15 years. But the only reason why she had that flip phone was because she was comfortable with it. That's the technology that she knew. That's what she knew how to use. Um, it was good for her um, until my sister and my brother-in-law kidnapped her and actually took her to, to the cell phone store and got her a smartphone. She never knew the difference. And all it took was a good like 20, 30 minutes to just sit down, have her hands like actually touch the technology, see the differences in getting pixelated photos of her grandkids as opposed to an actual digital photo. And all of a sudden she's on board. She now sends, like she writes in emojis. She, she knows text language. She's got a Facebook page, uh, which is kind of scary. Watch out world. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's just this assumption because it's technology and because it's easy and all you have to do is one click. Well, that one click could be far different than what your, your basically your mental muscle is used to going to when you're used to doing step A or step B. And I think that we miss that a lot because we just assume that simplicity is the answer. Yeah. No, I, we make a lot of connections between our experiences with mobile technology adoption in the consumer space versus in the enterprise. And I do think of, you know, my wife and my parents and how they um, have taken to technology and the good and bad that's come with that, uh, the things that they have found easy versus the things that they found difficult. Um, and then I, I compare and contrast that to how workers in the enterprise space 
have to adopt technology, right? And all the different fears that come with that. Is my job going to be dependent on this? Is my job actually at risk if too many people adopt this technology? Are we going to become too efficient, right? All the other emotions that drive behind it. So it's, it's really not just about, is it difficult to actually do it or not? I think what drives this adoption is a lot more just about the fears leading into it. And as you described with your mother, once she got her hands on it and 15, 20 minutes later, and now she's off to the races doing emojis on Facebook. Right. Exactly. So when she gets a TikTok page, I'm going to be a little bit scared, but yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> right now she's good where she's at. Well, and then I know this is a little bit of a tangent from, from the purpose of our podcast, but now that all the grandparents are on Facebook, now the young folks don't want to be on Facebook anymore. So exactly. you know, that, that's the, the evolution of social media. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was much more exciting when the grandparents and parents weren't there. So they're going to find the next social network where none of us are. Good luck with that one because we're moving everywhere. So I know, I know, <laughs> we'll, we'll find you. Right. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about you. So we know what town you live in. Uh, that's a good start. But um, give us a little bit more about your background. How did you um, make the journey through your career to end up in the role uh, that you're doing today? Tell us, uh, take us all the way back to the start. Well, honestly, um, my career it was really kind of one of those careers when you're in school, you have all these dreams, like I'm going to be the CEO of this company. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I pretty much was like, I just need to pay bills off. You know? So, um, when I was in, when I was in school, I actually did an internship for, um, a, a grocery store, which is national now. Um, and ended up getting a full-time job from there. And it was one of the toughest jobs I've ever had. I worked hundred hours a week. If you've ever worked in retail, it's extremely unforgiving, especially during the holidays. Um, you have people problems all the time. You're constantly hiring, but I stayed there for seven years. So evidently either I'm a glutton for punishment or I really did enjoy doing the job. And I think it was more the latter. Um, in that process, I got a chance to really kind of bring people into the organization, develop them, um, see them turn into managers, see them turn into district managers, see them go to other companies and be successful. And that was kind of the drive from working there. Um, at, at the time, um, I was engaged and the 100 hours a week kind of was infiltrating on my personal life. So I decided to make some moves and ended up at the company that I work for now, which is the CPG company. And it was considered a lateral move because I went from a district manager for, you know, a, a retailer to a district manager for a CPG company. So doing very similar things, you have multi customers that you're serving, um, your, your team is, it was larger when I was in retail. So it was like five times larger there than it was here, but it was, it gave me a different perspective of the business because no longer was I on the receiving end of vendors. I became one, you know, so it was like, hey, I could walk into that situation understanding, hey, this store manager probably doesn't want to see me today because they have 15 call offs and there's a flood in the back room and their freezer just went down. So this is not the time for me to tell them what's coming up for Halloween or what their next product is. So that was a real benefit when coming into to this organization. Um, I, I stayed in that role in sales for about two years, and then I transitioned to supply chain, mainly because I had a mentor that was like, hey, it's good to know both sides of the business. So if you've noticed so far, the three positions that I've had, I really have had no goals. It was just kind of like, oh, they told me it's a good idea. I'm going to try it. 
Um, so I worked in a warehouse, um, just, it was in the Midwest, um, just outside of Chicago, one of the largest warehouses in the, in the United States. And it was a very interesting experience. Um, the, the role that I had was second shift. So basically all of the product that we sent out to the field was picked during my shift. So I was the only manager. Um, I had a couple leads on the floor and a staff of 80 people. And it was, it was very different to see the difference between supply chain, um, hourly workers and sales, which they were either on commission or they got paid by per performance. So there's a different drive there. And I'm saying all of this because I'm going to, I'm getting somewhere with it kind of yeah. how my, yeah, sure. No, keep going. So from that role, um, I actually was kind of tapped on the shoulder and saying, Hey, you know, our company has never really dealt with hourly employees in our sales field. It's always been commission. It's always been performance pay. Um, we have hourly employees now, but we have no idea where they are. We don't know if they're actually working. We don't know if these, you know, they're, they're worth our time, if they're actually doing the things that they say we're going to do. And then that was one of the first times that I heard productivity in this particular company. In retail, you hear productivity all the time, like cart average. And, you know, you got to make $600 per one hour worked and everything. But in this field, it was kind of like you make your sale. Woohoo. Everybody's happy. You make your, you make your, your goals for the week. That's it. Um, so when they started talking productivity, I was like, oh, well, you know, I was just in a warehouse. All of my staff was hourly. Let's take a look at it. So I came on as a, um, it was, it was basically a strategy analyst, but I say that I worked in the finance side on the cost piece where it was labor and, you know, what, what systems do we need to put in place to make sure that these hourly employees are being tracked? The biggest challenge that I had in that role was that hourly employees in this industry do not work in four walls. They are expected to work a schedule and visit X store and this convenience store and, you know, fluff it up here and maybe go in for a second shift on a Saturday and there's no way to track them. So in the midst of it, the company had um, actually implemented iPhones um, as far as part of the system to kind of clock in, so to speak, that, that became their four walls. But when you implement something that you're just like, hey, like we talked about, you know, just the last question about things being easier, when you implement something that nobody has ever done before, these are employees that are used to filling out paper time cards and saying, okay, I think that I worked Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to put 37 hours down for the week. Now it's like, hey, there's this app that I actually have to clock into and remember to clock into. It's not that I feel like I'm being tracked by a big brother. It's just like, I got to remember to clock into it. I carry my own cell phone. Now I've got a company cell phone. Now I've got all this stuff to bring into the store. And that's when it became like the transition for, okay, technology in the frontline space is a real challenge, you know, because it's just something that's never been used before. People don't think much of, I got to carry two devices to work now. You right. know, and now they do. Yeah. Um, well, and you, you just said something that's important, which is that it's, it's not even that the new way was harder, because I think what everybody would agree is that it was probably easier, net, right. net, right? But it was different. And it took some, some habit behavior changes in order for it to be effective. Right. And, you know, the biggest thing with that particular role was that um, at the time, it, the only frontline employees that had the new technology were hourly. And hourly employees, 
out of 100 employees only make up about 15. So it's a very small subset of a subset that's basically piloting and getting ready to champion, hey, this is good to bring out into the field so we can keep track of the things that we're doing because maybe later down the line, something might be developed on there, who knows? Um, and then you're trying to convince folks that work on commission and work on performance and can make upwards way more money than an hourly employee to get on board with this. And they're just like, I don't need it because I already have a system in place. Um, so from that role, um, I actually became a training and development manager. And this is kind of where everything that I learned about people and working with people and different areas of just kind of adoption and, you know, pain points and everything from the front line kind of came to fruition. Um, once again, it was one of those jobs where I was just like talking to myself, if the current person in that role ever leaves or doesn't have that role anymore, I want it. And things happened where he ended up going to another company and everything. And they were like, you know, they tapped me on the shoulder and were like, hey, are you interested in that role? And I'm like, no. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because I felt when I was in sales, because I would, I would be training salespeople, when I was in sales, it was in 2009, we had no iPads, we were working off a computer. Um, I felt like I didn't have anything valuable to give. And then I went to supply chain, which they have their own systems. It's Microsoft based, it's totally different. So my ask was to go back into the field and train people on how to work on an iOS system. And I was like, there's no way I can do this. I have an Android at home. I no, like I can't do it. And there, and the um the person that believed in me was just like, you probably need to reconsider. Just give it a try. So and even kind of so, this this is interesting. If I can interrupt you for a second, even you had insecurities about the technology adoption, and you weren't even on the receiving end of it, but you were being asked to potentially help all the others engage with that technology. I think that's pretty interesting. Exactly. I wish this was a, a fake story, but it's so true. I, I said no a couple of times because I'm like, what if I mess this up? What if I show them the wrong thing? What if I don't know what I'm doing? I'm supposed to be training. You know, we, we get a class of leaders that comes through. It's about two, maybe one or 200 leaders a year and all these frontline employees. And I don't know what I'm doing. How does that make me look? So I was, it was, it was probably selfish, but I was also just like, now, you know, I'm good on the technology, you know, develop what you need to develop. Is there any way else, else I can, any way that I can help out? And enough coercing, you know, some, some um, added kind of um, encouragement from my husband at the time, my mom, my sisters, my friends, and I ended up taking the job. So, and I'm walking into it like, oh my gosh. So exactly what our frontline employees feel when they get new technology, I felt the same way because I'm like, now I'm accountable for him. That's my favorite part of this story already. And we haven't even heard the conclusion yet, but <laughs> that, you know, that, that is exactly the, the challenge that I think a lot of people overlook is just that insecurity, that discomfort of having to learn something new. And you were put in kind of a double whammy position of having to be the trainer and, and still might've had some insecurities about, you know, you being able to get up, uh, you know, up to speed on the technology sufficiently that you could share it and help, you know, uh, engage with others. I, I think that's a really great entry. So tell us the rest. Tell us how the story comes out. Absolutely. So um, there might not be any conclusion because I'm still there. So we're still working yeah, on stuff. You're on but, the journey. It's a never ending yeah, but, journey. <laughs> but in all honesty, my first few months or so 
I literally got trained by the people who worked for me. They showed me everything. It was, I was like, okay, you're going to have to take, if it's a half day, if it's 15 hours, if it's 20 minutes, just take me through every app that a frontline leader uses and how they use it in the field. Take me out to the field. Let's, let's, or let's look at, you know, product lines. Let's look at sales. Let's look at everything that we need to look at. Um, and that's how I got acclimated to it. It was truly like kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's, it was truly like I had to get my hands on it. I had to kind of bypass my own fears and say, the only way that I'm going to be able to teach this is to learn it. So I need to go learn it. Um, so yeah, at the time, um, one of my cohorts um, from the Texas area, actually, I, I ran um, the region up in the Midwest. Um, he came up repeatedly and was just kind of helping me with the actual role and helping me with understanding how to use iOS, how to use it in the field, how to use it based off of all the systems that we had in place. And then also one of my trainers that worked for me, um, he, he retired and you know, I'm, he, he was one of the best people that I've ever worked for. He had been with the company for forever. He was like the epitome of what the company needed. Um, he helped a lot just in terms of, hey, I'm, he, he even talked about his own kind of, hey, you know what, I'm not a big technology person either, but we got to use these iPads. So here's what we're going to do. And he walked me through everything. So that helped. Um, once I was acclimated to it, it truly was like, you know, the first feeling that you have when you ride a bike, like once you get it, no training wheels, you don't fall off. Yeah. It's, it's like, well, I can do this all the time. I'm yeah. going to go down the biggest hill. I'm going to go around this curve, you know, it's whatever, because if I fall, huge, I'll just get back up. Yeah. It's a huge confidence boost, right? Exactly. So, um, so from there, um, I actually stayed in that role. That was my longest role in this company. Um, I stayed in that role for almost five years, loved it. Like it was, the best role like ever. You you know, it's one of those things where you see the life cycle of people when they start in a company. So we were actually dealing with recruits that were coming in from college. We were dealing with folks that worked in the front line that got promoted. Um, folks that may have came externally from the company. And to this day, I still talk to people that came in in my first class and they're like directors now. They could be my I love boss. that. Like, That's so cool. Yeah, so it's it was one of the, the best jobs I ever had, but it also put things into perspective in terms of that separation between sometimes when we come out with programs as a company and what it looks like to the end user. So we could say, hey, we've got this widget or we've got this app or we've got this new technology. We've got this device that's gonna make your life so much easier at high levels, yes, it will. It'll save us so much money. It'll make your life so much easier. It'll cut 10 hours out of your week. And then when it gets to the front line, it's like, okay, that's nice, but now I have to carry two devices. Now I have to learn iOS. I'm an Android person. Now I have to um, figure out there's no home button. You know, <laughs> like this phone has one, this one does not. So what do I do with that? And it's like those, those simple kind of like nuances that get forgotten. And in that role, I found out a lot about that because we were in the field constantly. It was, we trained them um, at a region level. And for me, it was, it was a non-negotiable. My trainers had to go out after, after our frontline leaders get certified, we go out, we work with them. We see if everything that we taught, is it sticking? Does it make sense? If it's not, what's the problem? 
Are you actually opening up your device? Why are you writing things down on paper? You know, everything that gets tracked is through this device. So you probably should use that instead because it's going to make a difference in your performance review. Well, why are you not? Because I'm just, I don't, I don't, I don't do technology. Okay. Well, let's why let's figure out why sometimes it was the same thing. I'm not a, I'm not an iPhone user, so it just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Let's kind of put it in Android terms. So I actually got to the point where I have a work phone and a personal phone. I'm going to hold these up, see if I can do this. Yep. I've got one iPhone and I got an Android. So I'm bilingual. So, so during that, during so you, that, you were translating Android to iOS. I, <laughs> I was, um, for a long time, I only had Android phones for both. Um, but it became probably about the second year I was in the training role. I figured it was more value added to have one of each so that I could speak to both of it and put it in terms of somebody who may not understand, hey, how does this translate into what this looks like on an iPhone? Because iPhones are supposed to be simple, but if you're not used to it, it's not simple. It's different. I think that's the thing about both platforms. I, I think to, to use regular users of Android, they find it very easy and, and intuitive. And, and the same can be said about iOS. It's just that there are probably about a dozen like core differences about how you interact with the platform as a whole. Exactly. And that really probably bridges the gap, right? They both have very similar icons and drop down menus or drop down menus. And, you know, a lot of the controls in the application are the same, but there are just some fundamental things about no back button in, in iOS versus a back button in Android and a home button and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, that's interesting the way you, you talk about translating the, between the two. Exactly. Um, so that role, like I said, it was just really, that's where I found interest in just the people side. If you can tell kind of like the the common theme throughout my career path was people, like seeing the difference between an hourly employee in a warehouse and somebody who works on commission, seeing the difference between a retail manager, you know, and somebody who works on commission. There's a lot of things in common, you know, there's a ton of things in common. Um, but during that role, it just kind of made it blossom. Um, and because of that, I actually ended up getting my master's. Um, it, shortly after I had my daughter, it, there was, it was twofold. It was, I have to do better for you. You know, I want to make sure that you see mommy's kind of successful and everything. And it was just like, I really like this field. I really like what organizational development stands for. Like, it's not just, it's not like the typical HR where there's a lot of legal and everything, even though that's really important. It's also important to understand the whys and understand the capability building and understand when you go through a change. Why is there apprehension? Why is there pushback? What causes that? And then when it happens, why is everybody mad at each other? Or why is everybody celebrating? It's good to know that. Um, so I ended up getting my master's in organizational development um, with an emphasis in HR. So I didn't forget that part of it. Um, and then we, we went through a couple of reorgs and everything like that. And basically my area just got too large. Um, I was pregnant with my son at the time. And I was like, you know, taking these burner flights where I would leave and fly from Chicago to Kansas City at six in the morning. And I would fly from Kansas City back home at five o'clock at night. And it got real rough. So um, I kind of commissioned the company was just like, hey, you know, I need something that's kind of going to keep me in a place for a little while, you know, while my kids are young, that kind of thing. Um, my daughter does have multiple frequent flyer miles because I didn't get off the road until she was like almost two, but there's lots of shots of her on an airplane where she's sitting with me. She's in training classes with me and everything. Um, That's excellent. And, yeah. It got a little bit harder to do with two kids. It's not 
they say one is one and two is not recommended (laughs) no not at all um so from that um there was a role that opened up for a change management manager um and the that's the role that i'm in right now so this role i actually work with technology so there is the way that our company does systems and our salespeople put in sales and everything the device that they put it in probably hasn't been updated in easily 20 years. Um, and it's it's not that it's a bad thing. It's that it, it's not broken. You know, this is our cash register. This is how we go to market. So there is really no other choice. This works and it. this is how our folks get paid. This is how we do profit and loss. This is how we do it all. So transitioning from that to a smart device that's the project that I've been working on for the last two years. <laughs> can I can I stop there for one second? Because you just said something and you actually used some of the exact same words that I have used in the past to describe that. But I think it's really, really important for people that aren't necessarily in the CPG or retail space and specifically around direct store delivery operations like you know where you're at today. But that device is not just a mobile note-taking machine. That device that they're using, you just described it well, it is the cash register. It is how your company tracks and collects revenue. Yep. And it's, it is a payment uh, or a, a time tracking mechanism, right? Inventory tracking mechanism. I mean, it cannot be more mission critical than, than that device. And so the idea of, hey, we've got people who are primarily customer facing uh, truck drivers, in many cases, they're commercial truck drivers and merchandisers and sales reps that are out in the field. And they have an immense burden of using that technology correctly in order to do their job successfully. And so to, to dismiss it as if, you know, when people just say, well, hey, it's just a mobile app, how hard can it be? It's like, well, let me tell you about how hard that can be. <laughs> so, so tell us, I mean, describe, you, you just started to, to kind of go down that path, but help us understand about that transition from going from that legacy 20 year old solution into even considering a, a new way of doing things. Well, if it's any consolation, we are still on the journey. Um, yeah. So when I actually came to this uh, team, it was it was in the infancy stages, honestly. And it was truly like, how do we make a app that does the exact same thing that Old Faithful has done for the last 20 or 30 years? How do we do that? How do we make sure that it's stable enough to withstand however many tens of thousands of salespeople that we have out in the market, not just the salespeople, but our hourly employees. Sometimes managers have to drop, jump in and do the job. So I, I've kind of been on this, um, in this particular change project since the beginning of it. And it started off in one place. It's still kind of in the same neighborhood, but we're probably way down the street from where it started off at because it at first seemed like it was very simple. And, you know, you, you've got your, your screens that look similar to your current device and everything kind of operates the same, but then there's the caveat of it's on an iOS device. Okay, cool. Well, sales team, 30% of them, I don't even have a phone. Okay. So then what does that mean? That means that we actually have to teach you how to turn this thing on. That means that we have to teach you how to take pictures, how to access apps. What happens if your screen goes blank? You know, how to use the home button? How do you, how to swipe screens? You know, things that we take for granted because we may use it every day. There's some folks that have never even used the phone. 
you've got another population that's like, well, I have another device. So what's the point of using that? My manager calls me on my personal device. I'm gonna leave it like that. Well, let's start transitioning this so that this is your work device. And if they need to get in touch with you, they call you on your work device. It's been um, a, now this whole, like the whole probably process started maybe about three to four years ago while I was actually still in the training role. And a lot of it just had to do with, let's get this device in our frontline's hands first. And the apps will come later. We just need to make sure that they're used to carrying it. They can open it. They can turn it on. Just the so, basic the basic level of behavior change, right? Just the, the building blocks. Exactly. Um, but if, if I can speak candidly, the one mistake that I think that we made was that there was no push to actually really use it. It was like, hey, you've got this app on here and it's a nice to have. But you have Old Faithful, so if you really need anything, just go to Old Faithful. So it was like, okay, well, I already have my cell phone. I already have, you know, my device. I carry a printer. I carry a bag. I carry whatever else into the store. I don't need this phone. It is now a paperweight. And it sat as a paperweight for years until now. <laughs> and, and, and that's an interesting example. And we've actually heard that with other guests on the show before where they had tried to take baby steps into some adoption and made it very optional. And unfortunately, then, even though the barrier to entry into using the, the device was, was very low, the motivation was even lower. There was no actual reason for them to do it. There was no need for them to do it. They weren't required to do it. They had other workaround processes. And so it was easy to just kind of put it on a shelf and let it collect dust for a while. Absolutely. Which that in itself causes more issues because when you deal with technology in a large organization, you got securities, you got yep. passwords that run out after 90 days. Like you're, you're seriously rehaving to do everything yep. over and over again until it launches. And now and, the frustration level is going up instead of down. <laughs> exactly. And um, before we, we talk to uh, a little bit more into like this actual project, like if I'm looking back, if I was the, the chief, you know, information officer, some of the things I probably would have done different is like put something on there that they would want. They want to see sales information. Okay. You know, not only does it give you the sales information that you currently have on your handheld, it gives you each individual item that you need to sell to overlap for this year, for this holiday, to see how this store did. This store is a new opening, had a new opening last year. We don't know if the numbers are exactly real. This app actually tells it. So just kind of creating that poll. Um, and I think like, when we started implementing the poll, it was almost too late. Like the phones had already been out there. It was two years later. People had already made them paperweights. There were some folks that carried them around, some that didn't. Um, our hourly employees were good at it because that's their time card. That's it, you know? Um, but the folks that don't work hourly, it was just kind of like, well, it's a nice to have. It's nice to look at, but it's really no value add to me. So, you know, just kind of thinking through that. So with the implementation of this app that's going to replace their current cash register, that's when the drive became, became like, okay, now what are we talking about now? Like, this, this is how I get paid. Exactly. The development behind it took years. And even um, when I came on the project, there was still parts of it that's like, this is so critical because it is, this is how everything goes through the system. So if it's not right, it can't hit the market period. It can't even be piloted. Like, because if those sales are lost, where are we going to find them? 
I don't know. <laughs> it's truly mission critical. It is, it's, it's an imperative part of their workflow every day. Exactly. So through the process, um, as they develop screens, um, just in terms of user experience, the app is literally, I mean, it is like 90 to 95% similar to their current device. There are a few things that are different just because the way that iOS is set up, they have like hamburger menus and they, you know, they have to do certain things or whatever, but in order to do the things that they need to do in the field, the screens are so similar. So that, that was a big win. Um, you know, the, the thing that was kind of a unknown was all of the background stuff. So I'm not an expert in IT. Um, I don't know how long it takes to write a program, but from what I hear to add an apostrophe to something is like 400 lines of code, which takes six months to do. So it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, okay. So as we were, as we were building user experience and as I'm working with this team, as they're building user experience, it really came down to, well, what is the field asking for? We want to see pictures. Like a lot of times we just have item codes and these abbreviations don't make sense. So let's just see pictures of the product. Awesome. Got the pictures on there. Um, you know, it takes us on, on our old fashioned cash register. When we send our orders in, it can take upwards of 30 minutes. Think about 30 minutes out of your day times five days a week, seven days a week. You know, that's six, seven hours. Um, now it takes 10 seconds. You get it there. You can move on to your next door. Um, but like I said, the, the unknown is kind of like the IT piece of it. And anybody that has an iPhone, an Android, uh, a ThinkPad computer, whatever that does updates, sometimes those updates have bugs in them that kind of inhibit the ability to be able to be proficient in what they're doing. And that was the thing that we ran into throughout this project where it was like, okay, it's working on an iOS device. iOS, no diss to Apple, love Apple products, but they just kind of do what they want. Hey, we've got a release that's coming out tonight at midnight. What? Okay, we got to make sure that everything reaches through security, still use it and everything like that. And that was really kind of the shakeup. And because this is going to be so critical to changing what the current process looks like and the device will be the only thing that'll be used, it's a big deal if you have to go down for two or three weeks and you can't use your phone anymore. Because just like you said, the motivation starts to decrease because it's like, hey, I told you, I've been here 25 years. I told you that thing wouldn't work. It doesn't work. It, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, nah, you know, with technology, it's just really kind of chancy. So throughout this process, one of the wins that we've learned, like you can't control that stuff. It just happens. You know, technology is what technology is. The biggest thing is the communication. Hey, so we've got an update that's coming through and this is what it's going to do for your system. It's going to make your um, your ability to send orders that much quicker. But because of this, the app is gonna be down for the next 10 days, okay? In order to be able to build it. Once it's back up, you will get notification that it's back up and we need you to experiment, it, experiment with it and use it. So through it, that's throughout this process, like I said, we're still on the journey. We, we were supposed to roll this year and it was one of those things where it was just like, we found a build and there was so many bugs in it that you can't, feasibly with good conscience, send it out to the market and affect somebody's livelihood like that. So it's like, okay, well, we've got a little test market. They've got both devices. So just in case the app goes down, we have the backup. This is what we're working with. And as we're building, we're getting feedback. 
real time that says, hey, I really like this part of it. Let's enhance this because I'm using it as a frontline employee. And this part is not value added. I'm never going to use it or it's too hard to get through to. Okay, well, we can build it as we go along. So it has, it changed from a project that was literally on a speed bullet train going 950 miles per hour to more of kind of like a, you know, a steam, steam train where it's like, we're going to make some stops here. We'll take a look at that scenery. We'll do that because we want to make sure that the destination is correct. And it's right for our people. Yeah. You know, at the beginning of the show in the intro, we say that technology adoption, especially by frontline workers is really hard. And that's, it's really important that the audience recognize, uh, because I think a lot of people that are in your role, it's easy to get frustrated and feel like it's just you, or it's just your project, or it's just your company, or it's just your uh, workers in the field that are struggling with this, but this isn't easy. And I think one of the, the um, bad consequences of what's happened with the consumer space, because we all just use technology so much more in our lives, especially mobile technology. We were talking about social media and some of those things before those experiences make it feel like it should be easier, right? It is just a mobile app. Netflix can be just a mobile app on my iPad and that's so easy to operate, right? But first of all, they've spent, you know, a billion dollars or more behind the scenes to make sure that that user experience is, is flawless, right? They're hyper-focused on that. And there's a lot less at stake as a user. If I can't download a movie right now, uh, before I get on the plane, I might be a little, you know, frustrated, but it's not that big of a deal, right? I get on the plane right. and I read something else. Um, but if your team members can't do their job, if they can't do that delivery today, or if they can't figure out where they're supposed to go on their route, uh, it's paralyzing to them. And so the stakes are just so much higher. So it makes sense to hear you describe the story. And, and honestly, what you're describing is almost identical to every other version of that story that I've heard, right? Which is that we were a little optimistic about how quickly we could get the solution built. But as we started getting feedback from the men and women in the field, we realized that we'd missed a couple of things that would be really important to them, uh, or that there were ways that we could improve that user experience. So um, I, I think what you're describing is is pretty common. And that's part of the reason that we want to have this podcast is to share, you know, those learnings from those experiences and see how we can all get better, you know, as we continue to evolve. Absolutely. And, you know, so I think about because I've worked just several other jobs as well. Um, one thing that we tend to um, minimize is the input from the field at its inception. It's we often build solutions in a vacuum and it's like, hey, this is this is going to be great and it's going to look great and all this other stuff. And then even through that process from the inception in the room with all, you know, all upper management and, you know, this is going to be great for the field between that. And even before the project is rolled, it evolves into, nope, the field's not going to like that. It's, it's not going to take flight like you think it is. Um, that screen looks different. They have to do four clicks as opposed to one click, you know, things that we need to think about. Um, and then by the time it actually go, comes to fruition and is actually launched, it's almost a completely different project. And like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I would love to challenge every company I've, I've ever worked for, like in that beginning phase, you know, have that good value added conversation with your frontline employees, especially the ones that are going to give that, that honest and critical feedback that says, here's, here, here's just a storyboard of what it's going to look like. What do you think? And have it taken care of there as opposed to 
version 15 and version 25 and version 100. And then by the time it hits the field, it's like, yeah, we like that, but you need to cut out about 50% of it because we're never going to use it, you know? And I, th I think that we, like, I've, I've just seen this just from, you know, some of my friends that have worked in this industry, um, several places that I've worked as well, where it's just like, we tend to just minimize the input from a frontline employee um, because I, I don't know if it's just hierarchical or whatever. It's just sometimes their input is not valued as much as it should be because these are the people that actually use it, you know? So, I mean, I, I didn't have an iPhone one, but I'm pretty sure that this 11 that's sitting in front of me has a whole bunch of different qualities than the one did. Although the interface looks almost exactly the same. Very similar. Sure. So their, their feedback was based on how are their customers using it? Well, it's easier you know, swipe left as opposed to swiping right. It's easier to just press and hold down an app and delete it as opposed to dragging it somewhere or whatever the case is. So like, it's it's like, well, how many iterations could we have taken care of by knowing that at, at its inception, you know? So. I We've often said you can't design mobile technology solutions from a conference room. You know, you have to go out in the field. You have to see a day in the life of the men and women that are going to be interacting with that technology. Uh, you know, what tools are they using? What's their environment like? What are the things that they feel that they need? And so what you're describing right now is something that's really near and dear to my heart that we really need to get their feedback. And uh, it doesn't mean that we just take every request that they have, you know, at face value. I think it, it requires a relationship to be built and to really understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish. I, I will say sometimes when we've talked to men and women in the field, they know what they want to get to. They don't necessarily know the best way to build that or, or to, to accomplish that goal. So that's great. And that's, that's where the expertise of the folks at headquarters that are building and implementing those solutions can bring you know, their wisdom to, uh, to the table. But uh, we do really need to get feedback about what they think would make, uh, you know, make that process easier and more palatable for them. And, and as you've kind of alluded to here, it also makes the change management process that much easier when the men and women in the field have been a part of, of the creation phase. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That the follow-up is, is just key. Even now, you know, one of the things that we're learning is those touch points of, Hey, you know, we, we've got, we've got a test group right now. How are they doing? What are they saying? And it, it's not like, you know, your test group, you know, you don't want the person that, that has all these lofty goals and make it go to work for me and make it drive my car and make it do, you know, the people that are realistic about the expectations of it, it's, they're very much like, hey, you know, the interface is what I'm used to seeing. That's great. Here's some things that is just going to make my life a little bit easier that has been a little bit more complicated through this process. And yeah. I think I think throughout is huge um, and at the beginning is huge as well. Yeah. You talked a lot about changing from the old technology to the new technology, and that mostly uh, deals with the folks that are there right now. Uh, many industries like yours are dealing with unprecedented turnover, right? We, the, at the levels that we've we've just obviously never seen or had to adapt to before. Is there a different process for onboarding the new hires into the business than there is to transition somebody from the old tech to the new tech? Like, talk talk to me about any best practices you're um, you would advocate for there. Um, from what I've seen and what I've worked in, um, the differences are very minimal. You know, a lot of it is just understanding starting point, 
you have, honestly, it's, it, I would love to say, oh yeah, it's by the person, but truly a lot of it's like based on geography, it's area of the country, it's how big the route is, is it mostly rural, is it city, like there's, there's different levels of exposure that can easily be generalized based on like pockets of the frontline population, so based on that, it's, you know, what's the starting point, like, have you never, ever seen a cell phone before, okay, we're putting you in this category and we're going to have a refresher section and we're going to take you through basics. How do you turn your phone on? What's a, what's a home button or not a home button? How do you take pictures? How do you send emails? How do you send texts? How do you send texts with attachments? How do you send, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then you have this group that's kind of like middle of the road, which is, I figure the majority of the population is where it's like, I have some experience with this. I may not have experience with the exact application that is being leveraged, but I feel comfortable enough that I can look at it, get into it, understand the things that I need to know. And of course, they're at varying degrees. I mean, it's, I can press on the app, I can get into it, I can write my order, I can be on my day. And you have the ones that literally have figured out how to rewrite the code for it, change everything up, change the settings, all this other stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, but to me, that's that 68% that's in the middle where it's like, I've got an understanding of it. And then you have the folks that's like, all you have to do is turn it on. I got this. I don't need any training because I understand it just that much. Um, but it's, you know, as far as like the onboarding process, it's truly the same from person to person. Um, what we look at is the supplemental piece of it, where it's like you kind of have, have this kind of core training that's, hey, I'm introducing you to your phone. Here's the apps that you're going to use. Here's how you get into them. Here's how you would use them in an account or with a customer. Awesome. Okay. You get the puzzled looks or on Zoom, the really, really, really silent type, you know, nobody's saying anything. And it's like, okay, are we understanding where this is? Yes, no, maybe so. That's a no. Okay. Well, what do we need help on? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know how to turn it on. I don't know what you're looking at. Okay, awesome. So then you're able to kind of segment those and create like, hey, here's a refresher course or here is just basics 101 just so that you know you know how to get to the, basically you know how to get to the destination but there's a location stop along the way so that you can get to that destination okay. So like, but yeah, I mean, pretty much overall very long answer for a very yeah. short answer is just, Yes, the onboarding is pretty much the same, but it's kind of that supplemental piece where it's like, okay, you need some, you need some review. No, no harm, no foul. We'd rather much have you review than fake it. Or you get the people on the other end where it's like, we're going to have you be an SME right. <laughs> and you're going to teach others the things that you learned while you're out in the market, while you're in the field, train others or whatever the case is. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. A lot, a lot of folks have talked about the need for refresher, you know, repetition. Uh, first, it just access to, to repetition so that they can hear the message over and over again about, uh, you know, what the expected behaviors are, and then the, the ability to have access to uh, that material in kind of a refresher mode, right? So that if they do forget things, they know that there's a place that they can go to, to get that information so that, uh, you know, we can take away any of the anxiety that they're going to be left on an island, uh, you know, to, to fend for themselves. Exactly. And, you know, one thing that um, my company has done, like as of recently, that we have in place before. So if you need to figure out how to fix something in your house, what do you do? 
You generally YouTube. go on YouTube. Exactly. You look for the minute and a half or less video that's going to be like, hey, I just need the basics so I don't shock myself or need to call the cops. You know, like I need the exact basics. And our company actually has re kind of like reformulated the training website to do exactly that. So if you needed help on your on your handheld device, on your iPhone, how do I end the day? Oh, I can just go here. And it's, you know, it's it's set up as an app, like, you know, uh, um, like when you can save like the, the page onto like your home screen, it's set up like that. You go straight into it and it'll say, okay, can let me just type in search. What do you want to learn today? I want to learn how to end my day. Go to end day, here's a video. It walks you right through it. And that kind of helps with supplementing the refresher. Cause a lot of times, like I've been working for this company for well over 10 years and a refresher in 2009 meant that you were scheduling a hour long session. Everybody had to come in, you brought pizza and you entertained folks and everything. And that was your refresher. Well, nobody has time for that anymore, you know? So it became, Hey, how, how can we still have these available because I don't discount the in-person touch points, the formal training sessions, but maybe it is that the person just needs one or two minutes to figure out how to figure, you know, how to get things done and how to, how to configure with what they're trying to do. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say is your, your favorite part about working with technology in your role? Um, I think my favorite part is just the innovation piece. Um, you know, I am a big fan of what's new and what's next. That's why I have two phones that are different. Um, I, I give my husband a hard time. He's only a year older than me, but I call him an old man because he, he just cannot figure out like taking pictures and how did you get that uploaded on there? And I'm just like, dude, are we that far apart? But yeah, I, I love like the innovation. Um, you, I, we, when we moved down here, um, I actually ended up buying a smart TV and I just love just like going into settings and discovering new things with that and be like, oh, did you know that you could set up favorites here? And you know that you can do all that. I just found out that on Netflix that you can set up like basically add to your list because I'm like, oh, I want to see that movie. And I never knew that until like two nights ago where I was like, oh, I can actually build a list of things that I need to know. So like innovation to like the technology piece, innovation is huge. I just love to see like, okay, well, what can we do next? You know, yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. Any disadvantages, any things that you don't like about working with technology? Um, kind of similar in the same family is that it's unpredictable, you know? So yeah. in, in the same light, I'm adding, I'm adding, you know, movies to the list on Netflix. I get upset when it says we can't play this title right now for whatever reason. I'm just like, okay, my Wi-Fi is working. Like, do I need to turn this off? Okay, I'll close the app, close it back on. It's just unpredictable. And that's just the nature of the beast. Um, it does encourage and make those that work with technology and especially myself that work with change management and technology, take a look at change management from a very different perspective. It's not one size fits all. It's very agile. It's very, um, sometimes you, sometimes you have a plan and then that plan changes within 20 minutes and then it changes 20 minutes again and you just run with it. You know, yeah. you got to figure out how you're going to work with that. I, I think you're right. I, I think I suffer or I, uh, I get frustrated with what you just described, which is, uh, you know, on occasion when things don't work quite like they should be, that unpredictability just gets, you know, and it's so incredibly frustrating because you know it should work. It was just working 10 minutes ago. It just worked yesterday, and now something's not working, and so you've got to go back and, 
and troubleshoot to see what that is. And um, I, I do think about, you know, the end users that we all support when they're experiencing those things and they have just an, an unlimited amount of variability because they're doing their job away from the office. They're doing it out at a customer site, in your case, in a grocery store or in another facility and things like that. And so there's just a lot of unpredictability. So something that worked perfectly good back at the shop may not work so well, you know, out in the customer site. And it's, it's so frustrating for everybody. So it is just the reality of it. And the better we can prepare the users, the better we can make the, the technology resilient to those kinds of experiences, the better it will be, but there's always going to be some gaps, you know, it's just a little bit frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel that sense. technology time is like dog years. It's like yeah. 10 times longer. You're only waiting 15 seconds, but it feels like eons <laughs> in technology time. So. Our, our team in our software development company, our team knows that I am the most impatient one and something, you know, especially when you're showing something to a customer, uh, you know, a five second delay might as well be, you know, five hours, right? So it's, uh, it is incredibly frustrating. You're right to think of it in dog years is a, is a good way to think about that. Absolutely. So we have to wrap it up there, but I, I want to say you've you've kind of passed a, a certain milestone now. So after you know putting up with me on the podcast for forty five minutes or so, um, I want to extend an invitation to you to come and join us on the Frontline Innovators Council. That is a, a private group that we have in LinkedIn for all of the Frontline Innovators podcast guests. So it's a a group of other professionals like you. Um, that are working with these types of challenges with digital adoption for frontline workers. And uh, so after today's, uh, after we stop recording here, you'll get an invitation to uh, come and participate in that group. And uh, really look forward to having you uh, to, to participate over there. The only price for admission is uh, sitting through the interview with me. So thank you for doing that. And I really appreciated uh, having you as a guest today. Awesome. I, I really enjoyed talking about it. I, I think we made it through three questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you so, sometimes it will only be a few questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I really enjoy like your focus and what your company is doing. Um, when, when we kind of, um, met earlier, I was just like, you know, this is so needed right now. Um, because yeah. it's not just my company that's dealing with this It's everywhere, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just one thing that I'm just glad that you're bringing it to the forefront as well. Well, and I appreciate you sharing your perspectives on this. I, I think it is important for everybody to realize that this isn't easy. Um, even though it seems some days like it should be easier, it's not easy. Uh, there are easier ways that we can make things happen. And uh, so there's always room for improvement there, but it is challenging. And that's why it requires really smart professionals like you uh, and the others, uh, you know, on this podcast to be able to, uh, you know, kind of think through those challenges and look for a, a way to make it easier. But one thing that's a common theme on the show, and you've brought it up today, is just uh, an extraordinary focus on the, the human element, the men and women in the field, and, um, you know, bringing empathy and understanding to to them and, uh, you know, looking at the world through, through their eyes to the best that we can do. And so you brought a lot of that today as have uh, a lot of the other guests. And I think that's a big part of what we can all do to make this more successful together. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks again for participating. Um, we do have to wrap it up there. I hope all the audience has found this conversation as, as enjoyable as I have. And if you have, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. We are starting to get some great recommendations from other podcast guests and listeners. So if you know somebody that would be a great guest on the show, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share the story. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Adrian, thank you again for your time today. 